0: Welcome to the Great Divide podcast. Many thanks for listening. In today's episode, Tom and Svein will sample a bovine paste spread on toast. I know. It's disgusting. But one of them is insane, and the other one in denial. Listener's discretion is strongly, strongly advised.
1: So Tom, what episode is this? 46. (laughs) Very good. You're catching on. All right. This is episode 46. Welcome back to everybody. Welcome back to Tom. How are you doing, Tom?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Yeah. I'm doing awesome. This is good, good to be back again. And it is uh, good. It is very good. Because we only really did one episode and that was the one with Tim. Then we had the audiobook. Yes. You had the one about your album. We're already in mid-May. It's about time we really get started doing some That's episodes.
2: Very- That's very true. We've had a few episodes and not really many big country related as far as uh, just the the traditional podcast type of style. So it's good to get back to that.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think we we ended the last year with uh, sort of wondering about our odd pacing of episodes. And I guess we haven't really improved that with the long breaks and stuff. But uh, we're trying and we're back now.
2: Well, and the big news is that maybe that will be changing here at some point because fine has actually edited this episode that you are listening to yes. this is the first episode that he has edited and as i say those, those words he has not edited it yet so you know i'm hoping that by the time you hear this he has done a fantastic job and i'm, I'm sure he has
1: <laughs> you, you you were quick <laughs> to f- get that one in
2: <laughs> but the fact that he's editing shows now you know means that maybe we can uh, get some out quicker so we'll see it
1: might yeah it so it I, might not. Might. So okay. if so, if this past minute made it into the podcast, then this is definitely the case. <laughs> then I, then I will have edited <laughs> right. this one. All right. So the topic for today is uh, going to be kind of um, we don't quite know how this will work out because if there's a title to this episode, that title is "Big Country in 2015." The, there's been a lot of things going on. Some things are going on now, and there are some things that potentially could happen. Uh, and there have been new songs, there have been a lot of shows, and uh, so we're going to take a status, take stock, if you will, see what has been going on and uh, what our wishes are as fans. And uh, I guess the natural place to start, we're going to dive straight into it, aren't we? We are, but before
2: we do, I, I just want to say that J- G is in the house, and when I say the house, I mean literally he's in my house. In and he, he might be appearing from time to time on this episode in his usual fly-on-the-wall routine.
1: So, <laughs> I uh, sure just that let was the short if going know, to
2: be secret. No, it's, it's, we, we should let it be known. Uh, but, Tom,
3: uh, I just have kind of a uh, question out there for you. Yes. Uh, where is the fire extinguisher?
1: <laughs> is there a fire in the hallway?
3: <laughs> no, I'm just planning ahead.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think it's upstairs in the kitchen. Okay. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, G is with us. He's visiting... And so happy to have him here, and it worked out great that he's come on a day that we're recording the show. So we'll, we'll see if he wants to contribute or not, but uh, he is here waiting in the wings. So that that adds a certain tension to the show, I think, not knowing when John might add something and when he, when he will say something when he won't. So it's, it's some good drama to the show. But, yes, we, we should probably just jump into the whole 2015 topic so
1: yeah we'll jump into it so ju- just the last word um didn't mean to not welcome you john but uh, welcome and okay. the rest of you everybody can take this as a drinking contest like or a drinking game when john says something you have a drink and we'll see how how we end up at the end of this episode
2: probably sober still
1: <laughs> yeah we might be it might <laughs> be a sad party but you know that's the excitement we talked about <laughs> okay just
3: put the pressure on me there it's fine thanks
1: well, you're not the one who has to drink. <laughs> <So> every time <laughs> but you but say I something, I you have to have a drink.
3: Right, but I can if I want to, right?
1: <laughs> yes, you can if you want okay, to. Okay, thank you. I'm sure you know where Tom keeps his stash.
2: <laughs> and uh, by, the, by, the way, by, by the way, as an aside here, I'm, I hear some stuff occasionally out there where you are...
3: That's the ice cubes in my drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right.
0: All right, good.
2: All right.
1: We have set the tone perfectly here.
2: See how great it is that you're editing this? It's going to be so easy to edit.
1: Edit? What do you mean? It'll all be in there. <laughs> we'll see how it comes out. Oh, man. So, the natural place to, to continue is uh, where we kind of we touched on it in the previous episode. And it was still too fresh at the time, but uh, Love is the Law was released on March 29th, the same day we kind of recorded the last episode. So, It's now been a month and a half. Love is the law. listened a lot since then (laughs) are you ready to critique it i i guess so it's it's hard though because
2: one of the interesting things that we've heard since this song was released bruce watson actually did QA session on a facebook page and he was asking about this song and the other song and he said something that i really wasn't expecting and that was that these songs are, I forget his actual quote, you probably have it in front of you, but yep. something about it's, <laughs> yeah, well, do you want to read it since you have it?
1: I can do that. Uh, I found it interesting too, and actually that changed my uh, perception, but we'll get into exactly,
2: that. that. Exactly, and that exactly, that's why I bring it up, because it kind of changed my whole feelings about all this. But yeah. go ahead so, and read what he
1: said. So the quote is, uh, and this is actually not from uh, the Q&A, but he, he said it better on the, the Great Divide page. If you're not a member of the Great Divide page, you get the best Bruce quotes there. And this particular one reads, this is just a bit of fun, like all lay down. All we are doing is recording music and videos from time to time. These videos and music are not indicative of where we are at the moment. We hope to start recording soon and we'll let you know when we start a new project. That was the first comment and he followed up with, and this is also interesting, who knows where the next song might lead. It could be Derek or Jamie or even Mark doing lead vocals. There are no rules. One thing Mm. for sure, is that Simon is our main vocalist and will continue to be so. We're all just experimenting and having fun with new songs. We have no record deal at the moment, so are just doing what any band does: writing songs and playing shows. We will continue to write new songs and post videos, but remember, these are not new big country singles. Just five guys writing and performing music. You are the best fans in the world, so please keep coming back to this wonderful site. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> Yeah,
2: fantastic, and and that really did put everything in a whole different context for me. But at the same time, I think there's a, I think there's probably a gulf between what the band themselves are thinking and doing with these things, and what the fan base in general is expecting.
1: Mm-hmm. At least
2: those those words seem to indicate that to me that there's some gulf in in the two perspectives because I, I certainly can't speak for every big country fan out there but i think i can speak for many of the especially of the diehard variety for us hearing something new coming out from big country something a new song that's billed as a new big country song very, very few of us i think look at that and think oh this is just a bit of fun <laughs> you know we look at it very 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 seriously obviously we're doing you know podcasts about it so i think when when the band puts out anything new we're not looking at it as oh, what what could this possibly be? We we want it to be we want it to recapture whatever means. when we feel like big country is at their best or whatever it is that we want big country to be like, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of I guess um, expectations from the fans, and so when you when you read that quote from Bruce, he's almost saying that don't even think. In fact, he did say it. Don't even think of this necessarily as a big country song. So I think. I think we have to, as fans, try to grasp that and think about some of these new releases in that way, which, admittedly, before he said those words, I really couldn't do it. I mean, because for me, still, whenever Big Country releases a new Big Country song, it's not something that I think of as a throwaway type of thing. I'm yeah. thinking, wow, what could this be? What what could it possibly be? I can't wait to hear it. Is it going to be like old school Big Country? Is it going to be something newer? and we've really got kind of both of those styles with these last two songs i mean i would say i I prefer all laid down only because it's the more traditional sound of big country that i personally as a fan want to hear now love is the law hearing that hearing a new big country song and then getting love is the law you for me you do have that kind of what what if what is this type of moment i think a lot of people had that it's kind of like because that song really is not anything i would have expected coming out under the big country banner hmm. um is it a good song yeah i think it is it's a good hard edge rock song and it's got a great sound to it um i like the i like the production values they're getting in a lot of respects now too the, everything is really in your face um I, I gotta admit i don't like the brass parts in the song i'm not a big fan of that <laughs> I, I could do without that completely. Um, but the heavy guitars and that kind of thing I like but at the same time it doesn't sound like big country to me now the band might be thinking well so what it sounds like what we want big country to sound like and believe me that's the way it should be if you're a musician you should be writing stuff that that moves you when you write it you shouldn't be thinking gosh I gotta write something that sounds like my past work that people really like so more power to them for doing what they want to do but it is difficult as a as a longtime fan to get into the mindset of thinking that whatever they might be releasing um, here and there is not really necessarily meant to be taken as seriously as we want to take it and, and kind of usually will take it as big country fans, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess what
2: I'm saying is, is it's like the, the music of big country is incredibly serious to the fan base. And, um, so I think it was good that Bruce came out and said those things because it really kind of changes the way you view anything they might release subsequently because now we're not necessarily thinking, oh, are they going to release something that rivals Steel Town or that rivals, uh, something from any of the albums that we might prefer. We're just, we're just going to be realizing that these are just guys really trying to find their own, uh, pace and their own sound and, um, it could be interesting.
0: Mm.
2: So, you know, as far as getting back to critiquing love is the law, I think it's a solid song. It's not something that's going to make my top 10, top 20 big country list. It's a, I prefer this Celtic anthemic sound. And uh, that's just my preference, um, which means nothing except for just that it's my personal preference. Um, So when they, when they go the more straightforward hard rock route, which this song is really more of a straightforward punkish type of song, Um, it's not going to hit me as hard as the more intricate anthemic big country style which kind of all lay down had now my problem with all lay down was i think the chorus was a little bit less powerful than the verses um but i thought it was a really cool starting point for the simon era Mm -hmm. and then this this just took everything in a completely completely different direction so I, I couldn't imagine these two songs sitting on an album together, and obviously we're not supposed to imagine that because they're just standalones. But um, I, I will say this, it, with these two songs that have been released, we, we really don't know what to expect, and that's kind of exciting in a way too, And to not, to not know who might be singing on the next track or what the style might be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I give them a lot of credit, at, at least for clearly being inspired by making new music that moves them. Yeah. And obviously, they're not trying to recapture anything or re- recreate something. Now, that, that might not always be in line with what we want as fans. It's, it's not always in line with what I want as a fan because I would be totally happy with them going back and p- writing songs with these big, giant choruses and Celtic-sounding guitar lines and everything else. But, um, you know, they, they should just do what they want to do, and that's clearly what they're doing.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And I think uh, Kenny's going to be disappointed because I feel very similar. But I had to put myself back in the shoes of first hearing this track. That, that was kind of interesting because uh, you start wondering, what is this? What does this mean? And uh, I, I actually like the song quite a bit. It, it's a cool song. It's actually, a, a, I would even say it's a great song, but it's definitely not a big country song. It's more like a Bruce, uh, Jamie Watson song. It, it would fit very well on the projects they released. So it, it feels like Bruce and Jamie got Big Country to be their backing band for this song. And that's, yeah. what, and that's what came out. That, that's how I take this song. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, it is cool. But you kind of wonder, where does this fit into the master plan? And uh, I say that knowing... Bruce has told us many times, there is no master plan. <laughs> so, I guess, right. I guess songs like this kind of proves that, that there, there is no master plan. Uh, I took that to mean business-wise. You'd like to think that musically, at least, there is a plan, and they, um, they will always sound like big country. But uh, if you take this as a song standalone, what that means in the, the normal world is single. But this is more like a B-side And uh, if this came out as a B-side, I don't think anyone would have reacted, and I think they would have appreciated uh, the B-side. Yeah, good point for for being what it is. But without that context, then you start wondering. And I guess Bruce gave that context when he gave those comments and kind of saying, "This is not indicative of where we are. This is just a bit of fun." And once he says that, you can accept anything. And he says, "We'll continue to." record songs will continue to release videos and you almost wait now that we know now that you had a few and maybe this is something that the fans need to get used to they're doing something like this and you never know what comes next it might be off the wall and maybe you accept it as off the wall and if you hear a song that sounds like eggplant part two next time you know it's not their direction you know it's it's just a bit of fun so so i i don't know it um i feel i feel different about the song i feel it it is a cool song it's obviously not the direction i hope they would go in but uh, as we'll talk about later in this uh, episode i hope that uh, there will be new material soon that uh, there is a direction to go in that that they'll go somewhere and that we'll have something because as we know bruce said it in this comment They don't have a record deal at the moment
2: right and i I did want to bring john into this john if you're out there prepare (laughs) <laughs> because you, you had mentioned to me before that this song was, was kind of a and I, I neglected to listen to the two recently to compare the two but you, you had mentioned to me before that this song was kind of a, a recreation of uh, Lay the Coin on My Tongue from Bruce and Jamie's previous works I mean is, is, that, is that how you saw this as well kind of this Love is the Law is kind of a, a reworking of that song in a sense?
3: I would think so if you listen to the two uh, both lyrically and musically you can see there's some similarities And drink.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was getting thirsty over here. I actually I heard that comment <laughs> and I I, I actually had to go back and and listen to Lady my tongue and I can feel some some of the riffs are there but the, the funny thing is that to me Lady Corner no, my thunk, sounds much more like a big country song because it has mm. the ebo and it has those those kind of treatments that this yeah. song is much more punk inspired and it has those uh, horn section sounds and and those other things so it right. definitely veers much further from big country ironically when it is big country playing it yeah, well, and yeah. That's- Ahead, if you
3: look onto the version played by the short-lived Pollock and the Power Man where you have Bruce and Jamie and then you also have Mark on drums on that particular track
1: mm.
2: Oh cool, okay. That would be a good thing to, to look back on. I forgot there were two multiple versions of that song
1: Okay, I only know uh, I only know the one
2: So, you know, you mentioned the punk thing and it's no it's no surprise that Bruce is wearing a delinquents T-shirt in that video because that was the name of his first band and um, his first band, which was a punk band. And I believe that's where the genesis of songs like Angle Park started and some of that stuff. So I think I think the fact that he wore that shirt in the video was was sort of um, saying that this song is is almost meant to be a little bit of a throwback or or a nod to those roots of his of his past songwriting so thought that was interesting
1: yeah definitely i wonder if they had horns yeah yeah <laughs> i <got> it <laughs> but speaking of the horns uh, there was another quote um that i thought was interesting about uh, the music uh, on that thing simon and jamie did the backing vocals derek does the whispers i have to go back because i didn't hear the whispers but uh, there's a guy called liam saunders who does all the keyboards on that song and also all the brass stabs uh, they're also done on keyboard. And Bruce right. said that there's actually more keyboards than guitars on that recording, which surprises me. But you have yeah. to really uh, listen to hear them. So it's, it's, uh, it's worth pointing out, I think, that uh, Liam Saunders, the keyboard player, plays in a band called Mixed Bag, who performs around Scotland. And he has also recently performed with uh, Stevie Agnew from Nazareth. Oh, cool. So we'll see how he factors in and if he shows up uh, in the future. Good
2: pull. That's the kind of uh, point that, that I pay you for, those kind of awesome little research <laughs> moments. Good job. You've earned your check this month.
1: Oh, I, I, I'm <laughs> still missing all the other ones.
2: <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, But, you know, I will say, too, that I would like to listen to this song even more, but this brings me back to a point I made on, on the past show, is that I, I really, really wish that they would at least make these songs available for download as audio files because yeah i don't like to listen to songs on youtube i just i, I would do it and certainly if there's a you know there's a new song that comes up on youtube i'm excited to hear it but after that i want to transfer it to a cd i want to listen to it in my car i want to turn it up really loud and you can't do that on a computer at least i don't have mine set up to do that and i think most people don't so i really wish that they would release these songs put them up on itunes Put them up on on the site where you can just download the MP3, and um, I would enjoy being able to listen to them even more and being able to listen to them in headphones and things where I could pick out things like the Simon Howe whispers that we speak of. Um, So I, I really haven't listened to the song nearly as much as probably I normally would to any big country song that was released, even a standalone type of song, only because I don't really enjoy just clicking on YouTube and listening to a tune. Uh, at least not that, not having that be my only means of listening to it mm-hmm. so that's one thing I wish they would do when they release these songs is, is actually release the song not just make it a, a YouTube video I would love to be able to hear it so hear the audio version in any format that I'm able to so that would be my only uh, critique I guess of that, of that style yeah. Of, uh, of releasing things
1: we talked about that quite a bit already and it's uh it gets more reinforced for every song they come out with but uh, now that bruce says that, that they are still writing songs and there might be more videos in the future i'm thinking if you compile up enough of these why not just put them on a website release uh, down the road and eventually we'll get them but but, yeah uh, that could be
2: very uh, that could definitely be worth the, the path they go which would be cool
1: that, that would be cool. But obviously, meanwhile, you know, un- until that is confirmed, we still have to go through the cold sweats of having an incomplete collection. <laughs> right. So I guess well, one, of us, just...
2: one of us has the cold sweat, So I just kind of say, oh, well, <laughs> you just yeah.
1: have rants and uh, annoyance. <laughs> so, but that's fine. We, we like rants. Yes, we do. For, for you, that was pretty good, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I know you're working on it. We're both working on our things. But uh, <laughs> no, that, so that's good. I think, uh, so in conclusion, as we say on uh, when we do our report, uh, we like the song, but we're kind of uh, relieved this is not the signal of uh, a new direction.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good way to sum up. And uh, I guess in a sense that I would be relieved and that I wouldn't want necessarily a whole big country album to take that approach. But uh just to reiterate as well that the comments from bruce i think really changed everything as far as how i perceive these releases so yeah yeah i, I wouldn't necessarily want a full album of that style from big country that's exhibited on Lo- love is the law but when you look at it as just a one-off song of the guys doing something and i think what your point about it if it if it had been a b-side nobody would have said anything at all about it is a really good one because that really does change the way you look at a song oh yeah and much like the way bruce's comments change the way i look at these things and uh so, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see what direction that they take going forward. So
1: Absolutely. But uh, I think also you, you open up with saying that we're very serious about these things. So I think we've proven that now. We're probably yeah. too serious about it, but uh, damn it, we're hardcore fans. What do you expect?
2: Yeah, it's like the, I think the band needs to remember that, too. It's like, you know, they're, they're not just releasing a song. When they put out a song, they're not just throwing it out there and people are going to say, oh, hey, maybe I'll listen to this in an hour or a day or two. New Big Country song that I'll keep that on my radar to listen to <laughs> down the road. You know, we jump on the computer and listen to it and want to break it apart and rip it apart in every way we can and listen oh, yeah. to this part, listen to this section. So, I mean, it's it's very, very <laughs> serious business, even even after all these years, to um, to Big Country fans to get new material. And I, and I think that just speaks to the way that their, their material moved all of us from the beginning. So, I mean, absolutely. We, yeah, but,
1: but there's one thing I want to say, and this overrides everything. I am absolutely thrilled to get new big country material. Yeah, me too. Absolutely thrilled. The fact that we have a new song to talk about makes me smile. I'm I'm absolutely stoked, and uh, so I, I I can only hope for more. And uh, so, no matter what else we say, that's the overriding message. I'm thrilled to get new big country material, and that um, no matter what we might nitpick about, that shouldn't be forgotten.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're talking about a living band, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. All these years on, we're still talking about a living band. So that's, that's awesome.
1: It is awesome. All right, so... That's that song. Uh, I don't know if you want to say anything about uh, "All Laid Down." Has been out eight months, and um, we kind of critiqued that a week after it was out. It, I felt it was too soon, but have you changed your opinion much on that song? Mine hasn't changed that much. I, I think it's
2: um, I think it's a beautiful song in many respects. I I, I love the verses. I think Simon's voice sounds really good on it um it's interesting of note in that it's simon's first lyrical attempt at writing with the band and i I like the approach that he took it's kind of got that mysticism that that's inherent in some of the other works of the band um i always thought that it sounded like it could be a track that would have fit comfortably somewhere on the seer stylistically anyway um it's got a lot of the, the trademarks of what i love about the big country sound and of course we all know it's genesis most of us do in the attic, those attic tapes that Bruce made public, and some he put out this beautiful piece of music that he and Jamie had been working on, and it became this song. Um, my only problem with the song is just that I never thought the chorus was powerful enough to... to I guess I guess I, I would say the chorus didn't quite reach the potential that I hoped it would reach, and I don't know, it's not, it's not like I had anything else in mind or anything like that. It just, when the chorus hits, I'm not taken to that extra level that that you really kind of want a chorus to take you to and i, I don't know why mm-hmm. that is I, i've heard a couple other people mention that um it's not a climax why is.
1: type song that that's yeah, for it's, sure it's
2: not it's not it's it's like a slow burning song and it's not like it's bad by any stretch of the imagination don't get me wrong it's just i kind of wanted something a little lo- something more there and i don't know exactly how to put my finger on what that might be or what that should be but it just doesn't quite give me that emotional punch in the chorus that um that the verses sort of build up to, right? But, uh, but I still think it's got some beautiful parts in it, and uh, I, I like the stark uh, feeling of the song and and that restless natives soundtrack type of feel of the music. Mm. So um, it it
1: shows a lot of promise. It Shows a real a lot of promise for what what could come. You call the song a slow burner, and that's exactly what happened for me. That I, I like the song a lot more now than uh, when we discussed it, but I was probably more reserved uh, back then. So, so for me, it's grown quite a lot. And actually, the video helped me kind of put it in its place or put it in the right frame of mind, because the video is very pensive. It's uh, kind of like they look over the ocean. They look at the illustrations in the Boyzone book, overlooking the fields, yeah. Stand, stand almost singing, looking into the distance, more reflective. So uh, I kind of, I'm kind of happy with where the chorus goes in terms of it doesn't need to climax. It keeps a calm, pensive mood. Uh, and if I'm going to critique anything or, or say one thing that was a slight letdown was I thought the original guitar theme that Jamie started out with in the attic session was incredibly strong and that wasn't entirely transferred it wasn't kept in the final product i think that showed more promise than what the song ended up being but uh, the song is still pretty good and uh as a test as kind of acid test for simon see if he can uh, float or if he sinks he definitely floats and, and swims with grace it's a very promising song and also that song is very much big country so it might be a standalone, and again, it might not be indicative. I mean, no promises there. I wasn't having the same concerns there that I did with uh, "Love Is the Law," as far as direction goes. Right. So, uh, no, I, I think that song was was a good start. I'm I'm glad they started with that and not "Love Is the Law," because uh, you you see a whole as as more songs are added to it. And the last thing I want to say about these songs is the, the production quality of the videos. It's really good. I mean, uh, we, we saw some videos from, uh, the journey we had hurt and we had in a broken promise land. Those are budget videos by, by you can't really call it anything else. And I think the production quality of these two standalone songs that doesn't belong to an album kicks the ass of the official videos from uh, the journey. So I think, uh, that's great to see. And, uh, it's great to to, uh, to have them, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, spending this much effort on songs that only exist on YouTube, I feel like uh, maybe there is a master plan, or maybe there isn't, but uh, it's uh, it's kind of noteworthy to me. Yeah,
2: I think so too. I I think a lot of it too is just the band trying to figure out what, how they fit in with the current climate of the music business. I mean, it's just such a weird time to be a band oh yeah and i would imagine especially a, a band that's that's already experienced a completely different era of the music business probably more than one really because because big country has been around so long mm-hmm. but i mean it's just such a different time to be to be a band and try to figure out how you're supposed to promote yourself in this day of social media and making videos is one of those ways of doing it so i i'm sure that's part of the reason why they're doing it um so yeah, I, I think they're trying to find their, just trying to find their feet in many aspects. Not only the music and the songwriting and figuring out how Simon's going to fit in, in certain areas, but also from the promotional standpoint and and how they can be seen as a band that's sort of embraced the most current trends in promoting themselves. And it's weird. It's a weird time. So I don't. I certainly don't understand it. I don't envy anyone having to, to try to deal with all that stuff too. So, you know, so I don't know. But I mean, John, do, do you have any insight onto the video makers of these these videos or who's who's making these for them?
3: Uh yeah, actually, actually I do. I don't have if if you look at the uh the credits on the videos, the the person who um produced them is is on there. I the name escapes me right now.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably a local person like in Scotland, but I could be wrong.
3: Paul I think it's Paul Green, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look it up.
2: That sounds that sounds about right, yeah. We'll take that. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> no. That seems right. Okay.
2: All right, John, thank you.
3: And drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought it would be a fun game. Shit! This is actually a great segue into what I thought we'd jump onto, which is uh, the current modus operandi of the band, which uh, in terms of recording, but also in terms of... Uh, they don't have a record deal, right now. They're playing a lot of shows. And they're releasing these videos on, on YouTube. So, uh, I don't know. Last year, it was said that uh, a new album would come sometime this year, or maybe even early. I think they're taking their time a bit more, and with these songs. And uh, Bruce hinting that there might be more songs and more videos. Do you see them coming with an album in 2015?
2: Uh, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I have no inside knowledge about any of this. It's just my own thought. Um, could be wrong. I mean, we're still fairly early in 2015, but yeah, I, I, I get the feeling right now that they, they are more interested in the touring aspect of it and playing shows hmm. rather than getting together and putting, putting together a full 10, 12 song cohesive album. Um, I know it's tough when you've got band members who live in different parts of the world. Uh, it's not like they're all together. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Simon's schedule was like, um, but uh, yeah, that's just kind of the feeling that I get from different comments and things. Is that, and also I don't even know if how. I think they will make another album. I, I believe that they will, and I believe that they want to. But at, at the same time, I don't necessarily think they're incredibly inspired to at the moment and and that maybe a lot of that has to do with just the the business side of it because john you and i were talking earlier it just it seems like the the business model has changed so much is that you used to tour to support the album you just released and now sometimes you release an album to promote a tour yeah and it's it's almost like the album is secondary these days you don't know how much it's going to sell and it's so much there's so much involved with recording an album and there's so much of an expense too, especially if you're paying for studio time and and that kind of thing so we've talked about the possibility of them using a crowdfunding uh, type of thing to record a new album, I get the feeling that uh, from comments from Bruce that he's not too into that and not that interested in it, so if they don't go that route then they would have to have a record deal in order to make an album they'd have, have to have someone fronting those costs and at that point, you've got to, I guess, figure out, is it worth it to go through all this this to make an album, depending on what we're going to sell, versus making the money, just being out there on the road. So I think that's probably why they're so focused on touring right now. I mean, as, as a fan who doesn't get the chance to see them, um, I'm dying for a new album. I, I want a new album really badly, and uh, yeah, I really want to hear something new, but I don't think anything's coming on the immediate horizon.
1: No, it it really doesn't look like it. And like you said, they they really are focusing on touring. And uh, one page I go to, this is a cheap plug for the guy in the closet. If you go to John's site (laughs) and you look at the timeline and you go to 2015, what you basically see is a long list of all the confirmed dates of 2015. There's quite a few there. And we're only in May. This list is going to grow. It's uh, basically four or five dates in May already. let me see how many in june it's uh five six seven eight nine ten in june a couple in july august september plenty in october is filling up november and december they're already thinking ahead and if you even go to the timeline 2016 there's dates there too they're starting to fill the first half of the year so uh it's uh they're, they're thinking long term and when they have confirmed dates a year from now clearly the road is where they are at right now and uh maybe they're kind of getting used to the new five piece maybe that's how they're fitting in the one song at a time thing and uh, maybe uh, they're getting a feel for the kickstarter you know i know bruce kind of said well he wasn't sure and uh, one of his comments was he needed to be sure that they could live up to their end of the bargain if they did it how could they be sure to deliver stuff and i guess you know obviously that's a sensitive thing to to have and to to be aware of that that you are actually promising something back and um Obviously, Big Country has always tried to do something for the fans, so he wouldn't want to just go into it without knowing exactly what they're signing up for. Uh, but uh, figuring these things out is likely part of the whole what they're going through right now. Uh, one thing that's pleasing to me when I look at these dates and I see some of the announcements is that over the summer they have several big gigs as part of festivals announced that that makes me really happy because that's where the opportunity is instead of going up and down the country kind of flogging all the small clubs playing them to death which is kind of a concern i have that i don't know a whole lot about the british market but i guess you can oversaturate i guess you can you know play until you know you you kind of drained the market and uh, exhausted the demand even though that i think big country has enough you know, enough of the grassroots following that that wouldn't happen but uh the big festivals is a chance to put yourself out there potentially join some new fans play for the large crowds and uh, some of them probably were fans back in the day and has a chance to see them again
2: yeah definitely good i, I think that's where the, their music shines the most too or is it is big performances like that um so yeah, I'm always I'm always happy to see them on those types of bills as well.
1: Yeah. Big music should have a big stage. It should. But uh one thing that was very interesting, obviously they they are now doing a greatest hits tour. End of last year they did the Steel Town tour, and one of the things that Bruce revealed in the recent uh, Facebook chat was that the band didn't record any Steel Town gigs, which uh on one hand was sad, I hoped they would because uh, this was a UK only tour and there's plenty of fans who would love to hear these songs in great quality but it also raised the topic if the band are letting obvious opportunities to create new products slip by them and even if they're interested in doing it and uh, do you how do you feel about that? Do you think this is a capacity issue that the band aren't able to do it or doesn't it occur to them?
2: I don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't know why. Um, you know, I I do think that that would have been a cool thing to to put out there. I think a lot of people would have been interested in it because those shows got great reviews pretty much across the board. Oh yeah, as as being really strong shows and and strong performances. So I I mean, I, as a fan, I would have loved to have heard a good quality version of that. I I don't know exactly what's involved in in recording for. An actual release versus just putting something in um the you know the soundboard and recording it there i'm sure there's more involved when you're actually recording for a release with a release in mind but i i do think that it would have been cool even to record some shows just directly from the soundboard and releasing them as without without any kind of production quality after the fact just releasing a An official bootleg as it were a number Mm -hmm. of them that could have been an interesting thing to do and they did that on the crossing tour when they when they did the um the crossing in its entirety i remember they were selling usb sticks at each show of that particular show i don't know how that did for them from a from a sales standpoint um i don't know if any of that factored into why they didn't do it for steel town but Hmm. yeah that's that's the question that we would have to ask them I, i don't know exactly why but it is kind of a shame. I've seen some bootlegs, which is which is great, but it would be awesome if the band had recorded a couple of, or uh, maybe recorded a few shows and pulled the best performances of each one together for one complete release or something. Because that was such a great event in big country history, and it was such a so so many first time uh, first times that certain songs were ever played that that had never been played before. And oh yeah. It would have been great to have a a commemorative um, release that captured some of those things. I would have loved would have loved that to have a lot of these songs: "The Great Divide," "Girl with Grey Eyes," "Tall Ships Go," um, and on, on an official release. So
1: yeah, just just the album performed uh, from start to finish because that's uh, that's the best way to take it in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I but, wish they would have done it. That's about all I can say. I don't know why they did
1: it, but I yeah. wish they had. No, as fans, I guess there's no question. We would uh, we, we see it as a lost opportunity. We we would have wanted to have this product if it was out there. And I guess if it's a capacity issue, there are companies that uh, takes care of it. If you have Concert Live, we'll come in and record from the soundboard and uh, a lot of bands recorded if you go to the Concert Live website you see plenty of bands that offer live recordings for a limited time uh, of of certain shows and uh, if it's a matter of uh, not occurring to them well then let it be known we want these kind of things (laughs) I guess that's all we can say But uh, why didn't
2: they do it John? tell us
1: it's time for a drink
2: (laughs) John is asleep
3: uh, no i just uh, i really don't really have a good answer for you
2: <laughs> i don't even know what that do you my, know what my,
3: my capacity for cleverness has, has met its uh, has has met its maximum limit
2: <laughs> on his third comment
1: i doubt Come that no, i doubt it too well these are pretty strong drinks <laughs> yeah very strong lemonade i've made for you the ice cubes are spiked No, but uh, if you look back to the 90s and even 2000s, the band had plenty of these type of products on the website. And uh, I'm wondering if that was just uh, because they had someone like uh, Ian Grant who uh, took care of those things and was able to organize it. When you have to do everything yourself, like the band is doing now, you can't expect the same number of things to happen. I totally see that. Yeah. I think that's uh,
2: a huge point. Yes. uh, Uh, Absolutely. I think I think the management thing is is probably a lot to do with that because I, I know that the band is I don't know what their situation is right now managerial wise I don't quite understand what that is but I know that they are doing a lot of things on their own so I think that they probably are are just it's probably just getting those shows booked and working with the uh, the promoters and whoever is booking the shows and getting them rehearsed and playing playing the shows and all of that probably was enough and and almost. They probably required almost their entire attention. So uh, th- it would it would just be a guess, but I, I would probably an educated guess to think that probably with so much on their plate, it probably just didn't even occur to them as they were re- were doing these shows. Hey, maybe we should try to record these for some sort of release. That's the feeling that I get. It's just that they were so um, they had so much on their plate to
1: yeah that's do everything what I, they but-
2: needed to do that.
1: Absolutely. I think that too. I think uh, it's a mixture of capacity and uh, not occurring to them. Yeah. Because of capacity. <laughs> so yes. so I, I think so. But you know, it, it, uh, it seems such a simple thing for us, you know, as fans wanting it. You know, why don't we just plug into the soundboard, record something. We can figure yeah. out what to do with it down the road later, but at least do that. But, uh, you know, I'm still hoping that... Uh, there's nothing preventing a band from just getting together in uh, in the rehearsal space and just bashing out the album and just having a raw live in studio or live in whatever thing. And that could be a website release. That'd be cool. I'll take that over nothing. That's, Definitely. Uh, yeah, so um, there are, there's still time for these things to happen. And we're, we're looking and we're out here and uh, we want you to take our money. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can take say, it. I guess. Yeah, take <laughs> it.
3: They had a uh, live in studio performance at the STV Studios in Glasgow last week. Where they performed Chants and Fields of Fire and Fields of Fire is uh available out there in the on the internet.
1: All right, was oh. this for TV? Yes. Yeah.
3: On the uh on the Facebook page from STV Glasgow's page. So um
2: it's a very cool performance. It's got a it's got a cool backdrop. Looks looking like uh the band is playing in the Milky Way Galaxy. <laughs> it looks like these stars are behind them, but, uh, but it's good. Th- is there a
3: thousand of them?
2: There are, there are at least a thousand stars okay. there, at least. Close to it. I never thought of that. That's, that's perfect, actually. So, so John, what do you know about this performance? I mean, um, how, did that, how did that even come about? Was that, was that a Scotland thing? Did that happen in Scotland?
3: Yeah, I think, frankly, I think there was uh, some issue with even some people in Britain being able to see the show because it was only available uh, at Scottish outlets. And even uh, the stream on the internet, there were some, there were some issues with it. So, uh, you know, get out there and on the um, various, uh, on the STV page, STV Glasgow page, and uh, you could see the video for Fields of Fire. Cool, the band was
2: in fine form. and I think uh, the, they they had a lot of energy. They were they were uh, sounding great. Simon was sounding great, and um, he he uh, yeah, he's not wearing a Joker t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> His uniform
0: <laughs>
2: that's become that. Yeah, but no, it's a good performance. I, I love Big Country TV performances. He, even when they play the old standards that we've heard a million times, it's always great, and uh, it's so cool to see them. Still doing that, so I, I, it always takes me back when I see a big country television performance. It takes me back to those old days of the old bootleg VHS tapes that I used to get with all those old TV performances from the eighties on them, and uh, still a good tradition that they're carrying on well.
1: Yeah, but this is what we'll have uh, down the road. When when they go on TV, then you get something for uh, sort of for the for the record books. You keep it thereafter and to the end. Yeah. Now that they're not recording all the Steel Town shows then at least we can count on TV. And what a great version. I think you're right. They definitely have their chops because they're touring a lot right now. So you can almost at any point just grab them and put them in a TV studio, and they're going to sound fine-tuned and rehearsed and great. Exactly. And and now this brings me to another thought that just
2: came to me, actually. What about this documentary they had been working on? There was a part one that had come out, and it, it was called The Adventure. And then... Isn't there a part two that's supposed to come out? I, th- I think Bruce maybe spoke about that recently, but maybe I'm misremembering that. He, but he I...
1: did. Uh, he uh, the only comment he had was that these things uh, cost money and they take time, just like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, uh, but but that uh, obviously it can come. I don't know if they want to make sure that there's enough to tell in a chapter two, yeah. like if all they can tell is that oh yeah we did relentless touring and as part of that we played steel town but the rest is yep we keep playing we keep playing we keep playing maybe they want to have something more than just that right so i I don't Uh, know that's just my take on it well i will say that the the set lists that i've seen from the current
2: um what you call the greatest hits tour uh sounds really cool i mean and and i mentioned this on a past show but it seems like they open up the, the set with Poor Old Man, which I think is a really interesting song to open up with. It's not a song that I would imagine, immediately think of as a show opener, but yet when you think about it and that opening guitar part and how that just starts and builds, it really is perfect in a way. And um, I don't know. I was excited to see that that was, a, was the song that they were choosing mm. to open these shows with. It's, it's a fresh. Great, it, yeah, it's a great song for the band to actually come out to. And when the lights go out, I think I always love it, it shows when bands make a production of their entrance on stage, and Big Country has always done that. Mm-hmm. At least uh, at least often they have always done it, and, and recently they've done it. Um, where they'll have some sort of, uh, I mean, we've played a lot of the, those those intro pieces on our own show before, and I think they have that as well for, um, for this current tour, where it's a piece of Pro Man and the lights go out, you begin to hear it and then the band comes out and joins in and I think that's really cool it builds a certain sort of uh tension and excitement and um and they're doing some of the the steel town songs as well and uh it seems to be a pretty nice mix of tunes do, do you have by any chance a set list i do of course you do uh
1: yeah they play two steel town songs they play uh where the rose is Sown, which is an understandable and a good choice if predictable they also play steel town which is not predictable, but a fantastic choice. And uh, if I could see one song from this album live, that would be it. I think it's their magnum opus. It might be top three of my big country songs of all time. Uh, And uh, it's, uh, you know, those are fantastic. So they retain two songs, and I guess that's fine, given the number of albums they have. If I'm going to complain about the set list... I don't want to go straight into complaining because there's other good things about it too but The Crossing has always been the go-to album as far as making up a traditional setlist for the band and they do have six songs from The Crossing they have two songs from Steel Town and by the way, I'm saying this based on the setlist of the 3rd of April in Pool. so six from The Crossing, two from Steel Town one song from The Steer guess which one? yes, it's The stalwart. Look Away uh, you have two songs from Peace in Our Time, uh, King of Emotion, which I absolutely wish they never played again. And the title track, which is uh, obviously amongst uh, the better ones from that album. And then they have two songs from, depending on your point of view, No Place Like Home or Buffalo Skinners. We're not in Kansas and ships. Uh I love Kansas. Ships is okay, but uh, it mixes it up. That's as new as it gets. There's nothing beyond, if you choose to see it as No Place Like Home, nothing past 1991. Uh, and then you have Wonderland added to the mix. So uh, it definitely focuses on the 80s or early years. The surprising thing to me is how quickly they dropped the journey. That once Mike was out the door, they, they played a couple of songs a couple of times. I think they played Home of the Brave once or twice. Uh, I'm not sure. But overall, they dropped that album and that it album did. was quite a, sort of neutered a bit early uh, so uh, I don't know, it's, to me that's kind of strange because it's not necessarily Mike's album more than anyone else's you know, in fact most of the lineup played on that album and it's kind of theirs it is yeah. this version of Big Country's album so you find that strange do you think there's still sort of bad feelings about the way that album era ended?
2: well I don't, I don't know for sure but I, I do think that when you look at the way this tour is built as the hits tour, um, it's not surprising at all because while that album was great for the diehard fans, I don't think there were any quote-unquote hits from it. And I think the band really on this tour is really trying to appeal to those... They're they're trying to bring the crowds in and so they're trying to to get the the people to come in who want to hear those songs and want to hear those old Crossing songs, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not surprised that they're not playing Journey songs on this tour. Then we have the rest of 2014. Right, yeah, I know. I I mean, as far as them abandoning it, they they do seem to have abandoned that album somewhat. uh, Well, more than somewhat, almost completely. As you say, they they played, I think, a couple of those songs. They played In a Broken Promised Land a couple of times with Simon as well, um, who I thought sounded really good on it. So, and I know they played Home of the Brave as well, but you're right, they pretty much stopped playing anything from there, and, and there are so many, I think... Live-worthy songs that uh, would still sound great even with Simon uh, singing them. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily view that as a Mike album either, even though clearly his voice is obviously the, all over it. And it's you think of it as the Mike Peters era of big country. So mm-hmm. I don't. As, as far as bad feelings, I don't. I really don't know. But I have to assume that it is maybe too soon for them to really go back to that that album. Um, and, and play cuts off of it and, and maybe they do just feel maybe they just kind of feel bad or have bad feelings overall about that period the way it ended and maybe playing songs from that album at this point in their career is, is more of a bad reminder of how things ended and not a celebratory type of thing. Hopefully that will change down the road because I really do think that there are a lot of great songs on that album and songs that I would like to hear live right. again.
1: So, yeah, uh, I, I guess the acid test of this will be, um, we, we talked about New Year's gigs at the, the Yuletide episode. In 2015, they have another New Year's gig. The first, um, since oh, the, pretty much make... Make...
2: Farewell, is that Ec- what you're leading up to?
1: Exactly. <laughs> if they don't play that one, then we, then we know there's something going on.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, that is the perfect New Year's song, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Hard to avoid on that occasion.
2: And it's funny about that song, though, too, because even as much as I love that song, I think it's a great song. And that always struck me as a Mike Peters song, because it sounds like something he would have written. And I'm always curious. I've always been curious who wrote what with that song. But that that sounds like a very alarm-esque Mike Peters type of song. I think Um, they
1: said Jamie wrote it in those interviews they released for each of the songs of The Journey. At oh, least, really? Okay. At least it started out as a Jamie song. Now, that doesn't mean that Mike couldn't have taken that and gone to town on the rest.
2: Interesting. But yeah, that is such a poignant song. And we'll, yeah, we'll see. I, I I very much doubt that we will hear that, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's the acid test, as I said. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, one other thing the band could consider doing is uh, something like uh, Concert Window. Have you heard about that? Yeah, I have. I I'm, I can't say I'm
2: 100% familiar with every aspect of it, but someone brought this up to me once. It's kind of like where they do you do a live show and people pay to log in to watch it. Is that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, you basically videocast a concert and people pay admission online to watch you yeah. play a live gig. And I actually know artists who run a concert, concert series at their house. Um, I know an artist called Vienna Tang. I'm a big fan. And actually, there's one other big country fan who knows who I'm talking about. Kenny. Kenny <laughs> and I are both Vienna Tang fans. She ran nice. a concert series from her house that uh, you could log on, and you saw her basically in her living room with the piano and lots of in- instruments and just playing a great fun show. Uh, what's a little strange is obviously there's no audience, so there's no applause when the song ends. So that's kind of, oh come on! <laughs> it kind of feels a little sad, but you can kind of see all the guys online that you're there with, and and you kind of sharing that experience that way. So it's a new way. What and, was the uh, audio like for that? Did it sound okay? I mean, the audio was pretty good for me. I mean, this is uh, this is what some people mention as uh, a con to doing this thing, which is, uh, well, you know about the sound quality and blah, blah, blah. But then you have people sitting online on YouTube watching mobile phone videos. How bad bad can it get? I mean, this is a valid business model. Other bands do it, and it would frustrate me if people see the limitation rather than the opportunities. So I think maybe this is not the best thing for a full gig, but stuff like the attic things he does, or in that setting that we have seen video recordings from. Just something simple like that. It's, it's an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, another option could be to obviously videotape it, maybe in HD. So if people have problems seeing the live stream, then it could be available online. Or maybe even people could purchase it after the fact uh, for some time. But uh, if you start going there, you start putting too much work into it. Um, thinking of uh, of the concept that we want to keep it simple so that it's possible to do... Use the infrastructure that's already there. Don't start overcomplicating things. That will steal away effort for what can't be very simple or at least simpler. So concert window, I uh, I want to throw that out there. I think it, it maybe cool. it could be done. Yeah, there.
2: I mean, there are all kinds of things out there now that are, you know. Yeah, new, you can pl- you can plug into there.
1: absolutely. Yeah. And one of them that I wanted to talk about before we end today is uh, crowdsourcing to explore that a little further, with, of which. Uh, Kickstarter is one of many avenues where you have uh, the audience prepay for a product to help fund it so that it can happen. And uh, I want to actually draw a parallel to another band that I feel are peers, if in a different musical genre, to Big Country. uh, And that is Marillion. I think uh, they were also huge in the 80s primarily. And then uh, today have a very loyal grassroots following, similar to Big Country. And they are widely considered to have been one of the first mainstream acts to fully tap into the potential for uh, crowdsourcing. Mm. Uh, It's really a rethinking of the classic business model, and that's what we see happen now. The history of Marillion's use of internet is described in a book. Uh, Michael Lewis wrote a book called Next, The Future Just Happened. Uh, It's really been a case study for a lot of bands, what they did. I'll mention some examples, but uh, it's also an example of how the internet has shifted power away from the record labels and giving it back to the band or the band's fans, really. Because in this case, you need to sell the product to your fan base, and if they agree with your plan and has an interest in the product, they will support it. If not, they won't. And uh, that's the appeal. And I think in Big Country's case, just as Marillion, the grassroots following is there. The Diehard fans are there. Uh, I, I guess the first time Marillion explored this was in 1997 which is very early, that's nearly 20 years ago, to give you some perspective. There was no wow. Kickstarter, there was no crowdsourcing. This didn't exist. They actually invented it. And this was, they wanted to tour the US, and they pre-sold packages to, to see if they could raise money. They raised 60,000 US dollars in 1997, as wow. just, just purely on the means of a fan-based internet campaign. Uh, and they wanted to extend that to recording an album. They were in a situation in 2001 that they didn't have a recording contract and they tried what was then a very radical experiment. They asked their fans if they would help fund the recording of the next album by pre-ordering it before the recording had even started. No one had ever done that before. and The result was over 12,000 pre-orders which raised enough money to record and release Anarachnophobia in 2001 and based on that, when they had the album, they can. They were then able to strike a deal with EMI to also help distribute the album. So yeah. this this allowed Marillion not just to retain all the rights to the music, but they also got the commercial distribution that went with it. And by this time, they they had parted company with their longtime manager, saving twenty percent of the band's income apparently. Which uh, <laughs> so the, the managerless situation is also a thing we have in common with big countries. So there's no accident with me bringing this example to the show, I think I see a lot of similarities. Oh, yeah. So so they released um, Anarachnophobia in 2001, funded by fans, and this was advance orders instead of a band signing to a record company. So that got significant attention, and it was seen as a very unique funding campaign. And they did the same thing again in uh, 2004 for the album Marbles. And that was actually the first time I heard about it for that album. And what I heard is if you ordered it through that campaign then you got a two cd version of the album which was exclusive for the fans and uh, then there was a single cd version that was available commercially through this thing mm. and that was that that had a 50% higher participation than the previous one so they grew and they've kept growing and i think they still do this to some degree so going into big country if if they want to go the kickstarter route I see them having a similar type of grassroots thing. Uh, now in the case of Marillion, that was straight, do you want to pre-order? Yes, no, and if you do pay here, then you get the album later. These days with Kickstarter, you have perks. And it's become a science, like you can have different levels of, uh, of buying into it with uh, bigger and better rewards the, the more you invest in it. right? So uh, I gave you some homework. Well, I, we uh, we want to have a quick discussion. If big country go the Kickstarter route, which perks would work well for that band? What should they consider? And uh, I don't know if uh, homework. If, homework. I know you love that word. I know that I did that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, the perks thing has always interested
2: me because I, you're right. It's it's become this science, and I've I follow some bands who do this. In fact, one artist um, that I really like. Her name is Juliana Hatfield. And she releases almost every uh, solo album that she puts out through Kickstarter, and she has some just wild perks. <laughs> I mean, one, <laughs> one of which is that one of which is that you and I'm not saying this as if I think Big Country should follow suit. Okay, I'm just this, it's almost kind of a strange perk, but it's interesting. Hmm. But one of which is if you pay a certain amount, I can't remember how much, but one of the higher amounts, you she would ask you to write a short biography about yourself. And she will write a song specifically about you, or you have a particular issue in your life that you want, would like a song written about, and she will write and record a song about you and send it to you. And I'm thinking, good lord, yeah, you know, some of these perks, it seems like they take uh, so much work on the artist oh, yeah. from the artist. It's like you wonder if it's end up if it's even worth it in the end. But um, that aside, a, a lot of the other stuff are easy. Just little pieces of, of equipment that she might have already or. Pieces of art, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, as far as big country goes, I mean, I think it's wide open as to what they could what they could offer. I think there there are all kinds of cool things that they could um, put oh, out really? there. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would, I think people would enjoy would be maybe record o- recording of a rehearsal session or something like that. Um, certainly, so many demos that they have, and you, of course, then you you come into the whole rights discussion you, you don't know who owns what songs or whatever and i guess that could be an issue but you know as far as demos from more re- the more recent period that could be something that they c- could uh, consider or even demos from whatever album they might be preparing to work on um but yeah I, the Marillion thing is fascinating i wasn't aware that they were the forerunners of that whole thing that's really interesting and yeah. it, it is it, it is such an interesting model that i think I mean, just from the outset, it seems like it fits Big Country's uh, profile perfectly. And the one thing I really like about it for a band like Big Country is that, or for any band really for that matter, is that when you get people to commit to something before it comes out, I think that's much easier to get that buy-in than it is after it comes out. I mean, because the, the people take some sort of ownership in some sense, but on the other hand, too... You're kind of taking advantage of that, of that excitement that people have when they're waiting for a new album to come out.
1: Oh, absolutely! Through and, the updates, and you, and you keep them warm, and you yeah. share, share. You share more. Exactly, and especially
2: as a fan, if you know that contributing to this can make that album happen, mm-hmm. you're going to be much more willing to do it. I mean, now most big country diehard fans are going to buy the album when it comes out anyway, but I, I'm sure that there is a percentage that might put it off and then end up not a- ever getting it or, or. Getting it on YouTube or, or pirating it or whatever they're going to do that takes money out of the band's pocket, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, I mean, even the 12,000 pre orders that you mentioned for the, for the Marillion album, those are great numbers in 2015 to sell 12,000 copies of any album that you release. I mean, it, it sounds like it doesn't sound like much now when you consider uh, the past uh, in album sales, but. You know, a band could sell twenty thousand copies of an album and be number one on the Billboard charts. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. really? Oh yeah. So, so when you think about Big Country has so many fans. I mean, just look at their Facebook page. They've got almost eighty thousand fans on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So, you have to assume that a, a a decent percentage of of those people would be willing to pay for a pre order type of thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, Plus, the Kickstarter is something they can promote openly, like uh, yeah. I know a lot of people asked why didn't they promote the the pledge for the seer album or, or the um the petition but that was a different thing and that that had to be almost a fan driven thing to right. uh, to uh, not lose its validity or something like the the band can push the numbers up if they want to but by staying away they kind of lend an uh, authenticity to it yeah kickstarter is totally different that is the band promoting their project they can get a very high number we had uh, I think we have twelve, thirteen hundred signatures for the seer with just, just what we did. Twelve thousand. I think it's easy. I think it could be done certainly,
2: and I think, I think there's a there's a feeling that bands that have been around a while, I think some of them look at this kind of thing and maybe think of it as almost like charity from the fans, or or, or it's them looking for a handout or something and. I, I don't see it that way at all. I, I feel like it's just it's the same thing, really. I mean, fans are, are wanting to buy the music that you make. They're wanting to support you. It's just the the setup is almost reversed. They're paying you before you make the album rather than after you've put everything into it and released it. Yeah. Um, so I don't see it as, as a kind of charity case or f- fans, you know being charitable to this band that they love and i don't think
1: anyone thinks that i mean this is a tried and true model at this stage i think so too when Marillion did it then it was a discussion but uh, that's 20 years ago
2: yeah I, i i do think that there are older bands and big country might even be one of them who aren't as familiar with these types of things that hear that and hear the the general description of what this kind of thing is and they just think, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that. That, that, right. that makes it look like we're on a different level or something like that. You know, I don't. I don't know, but uh, I, I do think that it would be in big countries' best interest to look into that more. And to we've been saying that for a while now.
1: No, and, definitely. And I, I have mean, a the, short list of suggestions for perks. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, obviously, they would have all the normal ones. Like the smallest one would, would be called uh, the tip jar. Like, uh, add a buck or a couple bucks, some small amount, and you get our eternal gratitude, quote unquote, plus perhaps access to video diaries from the recording. Uh, If you up it to 10 bucks, this is just random numbers, but uh, just some more amount, you get a digital download of the album, plus all the video diaries, etc. This is cumulative. Maybe 15 bucks is enough to get the album on CD, maybe 20 bucks you get it, plus it's signed by all the members of the band. Maybe if you go up to 30, there's a special two CD version of the new album with the second is coming exclusive stuff uh, like uh, exclusive tracks, demos, live in studio. Or maybe that's the place they could put stuff like All Lay Down and Love is the Law on that two CD if uh, if people want to pledge for that. And then they make the, the bundles, like 50 bucks. You get the am- album bundle with the unique T-shirt, the two CD version of the album, maybe a signed poster, tour laminates. The video diaries all, all the same stuff and then you have the real goodies like if you pay enough and i'm not going to suggest any price for these but people have paid in other cases for executed producer credits on album if you pay mm-hmm. high enough you, you could get that in some cases some bands offer handwritten lyrics that could also be signed by the band uh, some bands offer that you could visit them in the studio for a prearranged time, which obviously does not include travel. If you, if you want to pledge for that particular perk, then you're making yourself available. But that could that could happen. I think um, Kirsten Adamson did a, a Kickstarter for her album, which was successful, and she had yeah. that perk. You could visit the band in the studio for a day and see them record and and work out. So that that's one thing.
2: Yeah, I've seen, like, phone conversa- conversations that you could have with the person, 15-minute phone conversations. Yeah,
1: you can have Skype calls with uh, with the band. That, that could be one thing. Yeah. Um, you could have access to perhaps, uh, this goes back into the window, uh, or the concert window that I talked about, that perhaps there could be an exclusive backers-only online streaming launch event or something where the band plays the new album live in studio from start to finish for if you pay for up to that part, I think. That would be great. That would be awesome, actually. Uh, and some of the more um, ambitious ones have made acoustic cover songs emailed to the backer personally. That you pick a song and they'll play a unique, personal, one of the kind version of it. And Mike Peters has done this in the past, and Kirsten Adamson did it in her Kickstarter. Uh, well, who knows if Big Country would be interested in doing that? You know, you pick your favorite Big Country song, they could do it or if you're exactly. really ambitious any song uh okay i have a couple left um on a show of your own choosing join the band on stage and sing lead vocal on a track of your choosing <laughs> within reason i know some people who would pay for that not everybody gets it for free already done it, <laughs> Damn it. how much would
3: it cost uh, to have Swine not sing on a song
1: <laughs> <laughs> if that makes the band money I'm all for hey. it. And also you can attend sound checks for a show if you're choosing. Uh, it seems to be a very popular choice. It might be hard to administer. So obviously you need to pick something that's uh, easy to to administer, right? Hey, how about this? You pay a certain
2: amount, you get to be a Great Divide podcast co-host for an episode.
3: You got change of a dollar, Tom? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, you know, Tom mentioned it. You know, I would be totally fine with if, if the band can use this as a perk to... Offer up uh, a third co-host and have the person decide a topic.
3: Yeah, that would be that would be
2: funny.
1: That would be great. Uh, if, if it helps the band, then I'm all for it. And I would never put a price on that. <laughs> That's what, what the hell is that worth to people? But, Two dollars. Uh, Two dollars. <laughs> so John,
2: so John, this is a good time to bring you in. Do you have any thoughts about the whole Kickstarter business model? I mean, have you ever have you ever been involved in anything like that with any other artists?
3: Um, I know. Uh, uh, Bruce Fox in front of the jam is, is, is did it for their last album and is doing it for their their one that's coming up
2: cool i mean have they had good results with it obviously they must have they're doing it again
3: yeah i couldn't I couldn't say the numbers i don't know
2: you want to elaborate <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <sighs> <laughs> I got nothing all right all right <laughs> all right.
0: well i mean
2: in short it's i think it's a great idea and lots of good ideas for perks there i think for for big country too i mean they don't even have to obviously you've got to give some perks that's the way it is these days with this thing but i don't think they have to go crazy with it if if they're if they're thinking uh, being overwhelmed by the idea of
1: perks yeah they don't have to do nothing marillion's first crowdsourcing was based on one perk only will you pay for the album before it's out that was it.
2: And I think they could do that with a few modest perks that wouldn't be something that would be so hard for them to put together. Yeah, get and I think some bands go crazy over it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some so easy. Demos, old video, rehearsals, anything.
1: Yeah. But Lots this is... of
2: Bruce's hair.
1: <laughs> yeah. They'll all end up bald, <laughs> offering out all the hair of the band. Yes. No, but it, it's a cool idea, and obviously this is just us wildly speculating, and at the back of this is obviously, if they do this, there will eventually be an album, which is all we're wanting here. Right. But we'll see. Right. It's, it's it's a fun thing, but um, it needs to mature on the band, and it needs to fit into what they're doing. So it seems like this year is all about touring, but uh, they are writing, they are coming out with individual songs, so who knows? Uh, yep. I guess that, that's the big thing. Mm. The only, the last thing I have, related news, or totally unrelated news, actually, the Journey is coming out on vinyl. So, vis-a-vis, the discussion, is the Journey dead? No, it's not. It's out on vinyl. It's a limited edition, but, uh, expanded edition, expanded in the fact that now, actually, the full album is out on it.
2: Right. Which the band, apparently, had nothing to do with, but uh, still, it is it is coming out. Yep. Yeah. So if you miss it the first time, buy it. And and apparently, uh, from what I've gathered from comments, it's um, the original version of the vinyl, I think, was orange vinyl. At least you could buy it on orange vinyl, which fit the color scheme of the whole Journey branding campaign, if you could call it that. But I think this one is going to be on red vinyl. So there is a difference between this one and the previous version that came out. As far as it being the deluxe edition, I think that's the only thing that makes it quote-unquote deluxe Um I think. I don't know if there's another track that's on it that wasn't on the actual first version of the vinyl, but I don't I believe... I think s- another
3: country is on this one where it wasn't on uh, the orange vinyl.
2: That's it. Thank you. I knew there was something like, something to that. And so, drink. Yes, and there you go. So I guess it is a deluxe edition of the vinyl because we, you get another country on this which you didn't get on the other vinyl release.
1: Yeah, I'm more prone to call the other one a limited edition. Yeah, in limi- Limited in its content, but it's not actually the full album. But... Uh, it's cool to have in mind, though. If you have all the other ones, you can't miss this one. So that, that's it. That's all I had. I think we made it through. So as far as Big Country in 2015, if you're close enough to catch a show, do it. Otherwise, look for new stuff on YouTube and hope for a Kickstarter. Exactly. The band is
2: it's still out there, obviously, and still has a creative force uh, that's associate, associated with it, and that's great. That's a great thing. Like we said, it's a living band still after all these years, and that's exciting. We're not just talking about past stuff that has already been done. We're also speculating about things that could come and could be done, so yeah it's always cool it's cool to to have to be as old as we are and, and have bands favorite bands that we still have and, and they're still active and doing stuff so that's great
1: yeah and it's part of being a fan just speculating what's coming next and what's going on now and have lots of opinions next time we'll probably look a bit back again or who knows what we'll do next time we have a couple of options uh, in the pot and whatever gets ready first we'll, we'll jump at
2: exactly we, ha- we have the possibility of an interesting guest for the next episode or one of the next episodes and uh, hopefully that will come to fruition. But um, we shall see. But if not, we'll be back with something else.
1: Yeah. Last words, John? I <laughs>
3: have a lot of gray hair.
1: <laughs> did you, how much did you have when we started this episode?
3: No, it was short. Now it's long.
2: He sent me a, he sent me a, a photo of himself sitting literally 30 feet away from me out in my foyer. And he's sitting at the <laughs> uh, looking at his computer. He looks like Spock looking at the, at the computer board, computer screen.
1: Incredible.
3: <laughs> I got to do something with my eyebrows then if I look like Spock.
2: You got to do something about your ears, <laughs> make them a little more pointy. All,
1: all
2: right. right. No, that's good. That was good. That's a wrap, people. Yeah. So, all right. So, well, that's good. We will be back next time. And in the meantime, as always, you can find us on our Facebook page, The Great Divide Podcast. Go search for The Great Divide Podcast on Facebook and you'll find us. And one thing that we haven't said in a while, if you listen to this on iTunes and uh, download this podcast from iTunes, consider leaving us a review from time to time. We really uh, love to get reviews on the show. So if you if you give us a good review on iTunes, yeah, we will enjoy reading it. So consider doing that. You can also email us at bigcountrypodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thank you, Swine, for taking the dive into editing and editing this show. It turned out fantastic, 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 fantastic. I'm speaking from the future right now, and it was awesome. So you, thank you, you for doing
1: it. You left me a tangled mess to sort out. Uh, I left you nothing
2: more or less than what I always am left with each episode.
3: Uh, well, there's two hours of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> and you'll have that to listen to it stable. again
1: to, <laughs> to figure out how the editing worked out. Yeah, you will get them back in some form.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> you'll be able to experience them again. Anyway, was, is that it? Are we done? Did I say goodbye?
1: I want to say goodbye to Tom. Goodbye, Tom.
2: <laughs> goodbye, fine.
1: Goodbye, John, out there in Tom's closet. <laughs> it's quite a setup today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good. Talk to you soon, I Thank guess. you very
3: much. You've been a beautiful audience. Good night. Good bus.
2: No. What am I saying? What am I saying here? I'm <laughs> rambling like a fool. This is your, this is a good editing test for you, so take all that out.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. The um, shoes on the other foot.